0: on your PC, iPod or smartphone. This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 36th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we continue our preview of the AFL Euro Cup this weekend by chatting with France's Colin Decoy, Ireland's Murray Keaton, Sweden's Lynn Gardell, and Croatia's Anna Barisic. Plus, we catch up with USAFL media manager Brian Barish, and we look at the delisted AFLW players looking for a second chance with Girls Play Footy co-founder Matt Marsden. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the thirty-sixth episode of the Girls Play podcast for twenty seventeen. This is our third season of doing these podcasts. And even though the AFL men's grand final may have come and gone, there's still plenty happening in the women's footy world. Currently on at the moment, the AFL Women's Draft Combine. Plus, we've got the AFL Women's Draft coming up in October eighteen. Plus, after that, we've got the rookie draft on October 20th. And let's not forget, all around that, we've got the AFL Euro Cup coming up this weekend in October twenty-one and twenty-two the USAFL Nationals. So plenty to get through and we'll still be doing our weekly show on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne at 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time or, of course, download the podcast through Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud by searching for Girls Play Footy. Don't forget to find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook just by searching for Girls Play Footy or check out the website for all the latest women's footy news at girlsplayfooty.com. And talking about the website, we have got the co-founder of Girls Play Footy on the line in Matt Marsden to have a look at AFLW Draft 2018 that's coming up on October 18th. In this episode, we're particularly focusing on players that were taken in the 2017 season's draft but were delisted and are looking for a second chance to run around in the second season of the AFL Women's Competition. Matt, thank you very much for joining us on the line. How are you? Very
1: well, Peter. Thank you very much for having me once again.
0: Great to have you on the program as we get closer and closer to the draft on October 18th. A lot of people, of course, looking at the young and upcoming 18-year-olds that uh, played in competitions such as TAC Cup girls through the AFL Youth Girls Nationals, etc., about who will be their early round draft picks. But I guess everyone's looking for a diamond in the rough. They're looking for that player that might get a second chance, that has that senior experience and could be more valuable in their side than they were at their previous clubs team let's have a look at some of the names that you picked out first of all uh you highlighted a woman that's played in several exhibition matches uh she was taken originally as pick 45 for Fremantle in the last draft that was kira phillips
1: yeah, no, Kira Phillips is a, a real interesting sort of a, a case, I suppose, because uh, she's she's performed really well in exhibition matches and generally does her job well and, and very frequently is amongst the goal kickers. I remember uh, it would have been last year when they had the, the first ever women's derby over in uh, WA, the Fremantle versus West Coast. I think she kicked. Six goals from memory and was, you know, very easily one of the best players on the ground. And um, you know that's the sort of form that she brings to the state competition each week. We saw this year that she kicked another thirty-eight goals in eleven games. Uh, but for Fremantle, you know, she she really wasn't given much of an opportunity I suppose she played the five games but she was never really a focal point in that forward line and of course we know Fremantle struggled through the midfield they struggled to get good delivery to the forwards so uh, Kira Phillips is one that that certainly uh, if you're a team outside of WA you'd really want to look at her to boost your goal numbers.
0: And I guess she's uh, in a competitive spot as well if she was trying to get back into the Fremantle team she's got to contend with an up and coming uh, young Kate Bartlett who's starred across a number of uh, Youth Girls National Carnival and uh, is now of eligible age to be drafted. Um, Another player that you highlighted uh, was taken by Pick 81 by the GWS in the last draft before being uh, delisted is Christy Di Pellegrini.
1: Yeah, no, uh, again, another sort of interesting one because she was in the back line of the team that got, uh, well, g- generally pretty comfortably beaten each week. And, um, but if you have a, a closer look at the defense for the Giants is Christy de Pellegrini, who was in her one-on-one, she generally bested her opponent and she was actually quite good in and you know, I, I um made an effort to try and watch her every week and, and highlight her because she was just such a good player and I wondered where she came from and it was sort of hard to miss her. She had the uh, the the purple dyed hair, so it was pretty, you know, you couldn't really watch a game without seeing her. But her performance, I mean, she was just a really good footballer and you know, I was wondering where she sort of came from and a little bit shocked that she was cut, to be honest.
0: Aka chout uh, was taken very late in the draft, pick 139, which surprised me, because she rucked well in that exhibition game between the Eagles and the Dockers uh, in 2016. Uh, she was delisted, uh, but you would suggest, will free metal pick her up. I think Tani White I thinks the other ruck that might be in contention for her spot, who won the uh, league best and fairest in the WAWFL. Um, unless uh, the woman they also call Susan, if she decides to... Um, uh, pull up stumps and head eastward. Maybe she could find a home in Adelaide, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I think that's the more likely option for her. I, I, I've had a couple of chats with her and she seems to to be pretty focused on trying to find another home. And um, I'm not... Too sure why Fremantle didn't give her a proper look-in. You know, she had a really fantastic 2016, and you know we were raving about her last year. I remember, and we thought she was going to be the next best thing. And you know, come AFLW, she's she's finding herself as a second and third ruck. You know, she's um she fell behind Kelly Clinch as the number one ruck for Fremantle, and and uh, Gemma Houghton up forward. Uh, she was getting the duties there, so there really wasn't a place for her to play. Um, but I think if you look at interstate teams, certainly Adelaide who who really do need a second ruck, um, well they will be drafting one in the AFLW draft upcoming in, in Jess Allen, but they would be looking at another athletic sort of a ruck, I'd imagine.
0: Having a look towards Brisbane, Jade Ransfield was delicious. She was originally taken as pick one hundred and twenty eight in the previous draft. She's a forward. She may find it hard to get back into that Lions side through the draft because of the simple fact is they've got a couple of young under 18 year olds that are coming through that are looking good plus Jordan Zanchetta returns from that ACL and she is just about all but certain to be picked up as one of the spots for the Lions where does Jade Ransfield find a home?
1: I'm not too sure. I I think you have to look at Victoria if you're Jade Ransfield because, um, look, there's plenty of uh, of teams down in Victoria that need another forward, and there's not a whole lot of forwards going in the draft upcoming. I think there's only – off the top of my head, I'd probably only pick two really good forwards or, or like, you know, high quality forwards. That being Chloe Malloy, who's going to go pick one, and Eden who might find herself in the second round. So there's not a whole lot of options for the Victorian team. So if she were to nominate down there, I think she'd be a really good selection. She kicked uh, 41 goals this year for Yarrunga in their premiership. Uh, I think there's a there's a home for her if she wants to go down to Victoria.
0: Also having a look at another Alliance player that was delisted. Uh, She was originally picked up as a free agent last year, a utility, uh, a well-liked footballer throughout Queensland, Jordan Membry.
1: Yeah, it's sort of odd, Jordan Membry, because if you have a look at her and and she's plays, if you give her a defined role, she's a really talented footballer. But, you know, in every team that she plays, she seems to be used back, forward, midfield, and and doesn't really get a crack at one position. Uh, And you have a look at the Brisbane team from this year, You know, all of their players, you'd say, all right, their position is they're a center or they're a forward or they're a ruck or they're a defender. Jordan Memory didn't really fall into any sort of category. And I think she suffered for that. But you know, if you give her a a defined role, I think she's someone who can really explode for you, either off the half back line, either on the half forward line or through the center. If you give her somewhere that she's going to be playing week in, week out, I think she's a really good prospect.
0: Let's have a look at the last player that you highlighted in your article available now on girlsplayfooty.com. Sarah Jolly, she was taken as the last pick, pick 145 in the draft uh, to Melbourne, uh, described as a midfielder, but I, I kind of see her as an attacking half-forward flanker, really. And um, she's had a great year for the VU Western Spurs, you know, really pulled herself up by the bootstraps, so to speak, after being delisted. Remember, she's a girl that moved from the country. She was living out, I think, around Sale, moved to Melbourne, had a go, got delisted. But still stuck at it, stayed in Melbourne, went to the VU Western Spurs, had a terrific season. I think 10 goals from 14 games looked dangerous in just about every game that she played. Um, on that former line, you've got to suggest she, she's got to be like what I call a late round bargain. One of the sides has certainly got to snap her up.
1: Oh, for sure. I don't think she'll be targeted in those first three rounds, but as the draft sort of progresses on, you see the names that are there, but certainly compared to some of the young players who still need some development, Sarah Jolly's going to stick out like a sore thumb for sure. Uh, she moved from Division 3 footy last year and, and is now playing, as you mentioned, for VU Western Spurs and had a really good year for, for a team that's you know not necessarily one of the contenders, the Spurs, but they're always there or about, and she was a, a player that really stood out for them. So uh look there's another there's a team there that that's gonna pick her up for sure
0: just having a look through some of the uh, players as well that, that weren't mentioned in the article that uh, maybe uh, picked up, uh, Victorian players in particular that we have a closer look at through our coverage of the VFLW season. Uh, first name that sticks out for me is Kate Darby, and she's popped up here and there for Geelong and, and looked better as a tall forward than more in the ruck, but she can play mobile around the ground, and I reckon she's probably given enough for a, a second chance.
1: Yeah, I think we'll find with a lot of these Geelong players that they'll be sort of around the mix, and she's one of them for sure. She is a, a pinch hitting sort of a player. Not sure if she could hold down a, a key position, uh, but you know, she'd be a handy acquisition for sure. Uh, we know that when Geelong come in, she'd be a, she'd certainly be a starter in their team. But uh, you, you wonder how she she'll break into a team. But look, I think if, if you were to look around, there would be a position for her somewhere.
0: I'm surprised as Paul well that uh, despite being at different clubs that they both got delisted the experienced back duo of Penny Kula Reed and Mia Ray Clifford you'd be suggesting if they were still around they weren't taken in the draft and were still available during the free agency period as a club why wouldn't you pick up that duo because to be honest uh, not because they're obviously partners off the field as well but they do work well as a duo in the back line for, for many years at the St Kilda Sharks
1: Well I can't really remember a time when they did you know, something that was so bad that it stood out during the season or certainly nothing that was worth being delisted. So that's a head scratcher. Uh you know, they're definitely two that could get picked up. It is a bit difficult because, you know, when when it comes to defensive schemes and, and key defenders and stuff, teams sort of are already a little bit set, so you do wonder where they'll fit in. Um Interstate, definitely there's opportunities, but of course, they probably want to stick together. And I'm not sure if there's a place for both of them in, in a team, but as individuals, there probably is somewhere. I mean, you can always use another defender.
0: Indeed. Um, looking at the other players uh, that were delisted, one that I thought had a fairly quiet VFLW season, but, hey, on the big stage on grand final day, really stood up was Meg McDonald.
1: Yeah, again, another one that's that's sort of curious because she struggled hard as a, a lone forward for the Western Bulldogs. Of course, Katie Brennan went down early in the AFLW season and, and Meg McDonald was trialled forward and really... Didn't do a whole lot, if we're honest. But uh, as you mentioned, she was sort of quiet during VFLW. Didn't really do a whole lot. But on that big stage, she really did did stand up. So uh, whether it's just sort of a once-off performance or whether it's something that, uh, that she can do on a consistent basis, we're not sure. But, uh, look, I think clubs will be giving her the call at least to sort of ask about her. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see whether... There is a need for her. As I mentioned before, there is a shortage of forwards going around, so maybe she will get a look in.
0: And uh, looking through the list as well, we should mention that there are a couple of players that have done injuries that uh, that won't be taking part in the season. Kate Chen obviously, was one of those that did an injury. Mae Nguyen did hers. Kim Mickle is now focusing on uh, the Commonwealth Games and the Gold Coast in 2018 after doing her injury. I'm not quite sure of the status of Heather Anderson, who had that major uh, shoulder surgery for the second time um, when she did that in the grand final. Um, I actually haven't reached out to, to check on that. Um, but uh, the the other one as well, which is interesting, is Kendra Hyle? I'm not a hundred percent sure if she's thrown her name in the draft because she did mention um, to me a couple of months ago when I saw at the Eastern Devils was that she was focusing on the VFLW 2018 season, and that's because she did her knee at a very awkward time. She did it. She was originally coming back from one ACL, and then she did the ACL on the other knee during December during the preseason and of course she does if you're rushing it yes she could be back in 12 months but the word is she wants to give it a full 15 months to make sure it's right to go particularly you know back to back ACLs a 15 month period would probably take her into march and The question is, would any side, if she is available in the draft, take the gamble to say, okay, we'll have her on the list, but have her as an injury and have a rookie playing for her instead to try and warehouse her for next year? Or will it be just a case of um, she'll have to impress during 2018? And and there'll be opportunities, won't there, be in uh, 2019 with the two new clubs entering?
1: Oh, for sure. There's going to be opportunities for her, and, and really it's a, it's a sensible approach from her because if she does try and get herself picked up and you know, doesn't really put in a, bit, a good showing because because uh, of her injury and because of her rehabilitation, it doesn't do her any favours for next year. So it's probably the best choice that she does. You sort of uh, stick to the sidelines, and she's not going to be forgotten about. Certainly you know, these clubs are going to be looking high and low for talent, and I don't think you'll have to look too far to find Kend- Kendra Hyle.
0: And just quickly, the one curious case as well: and Georgia Walker, who was uh, the replacement for the uh, uh, the one and only Kendra Hall. Georgia came in late uh, into that Collingwood squad. She ended up being delisted, but uh, has been seen trialing at GWS.
1: No, oh, I hadn't heard that one. So that's interesting information to me.
0: So, um, And, of course, she was invited to the Combine on this week at the moment. And, of course, one other name in there we'll be be interested to see if she does get uh, picked up um, after coming out of retirement is Lou Watton. Um, So if any side in Victoria is looking for a ruck, she is available.
1: Yeah, seasoned veteran. You can't really go wrong with Watto. It's sort of as advertised. I think she's a, a veteran. She's still uh, physically fit, not necessarily athletic, but she'll battle in that ruck, those rock contests.
0: Well, Matt, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to uh, catching up with you at some stage during the pre-season of the AFLW competition as we look, I guess, forward to AFLW 2.0.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure, Pete. Thanks for having me.
0: Now it's time for part two of our look at the AFL Euro Cup, which is being played this weekend in Bordeaux, France, a night side tournament that will be featuring seven teams in the women's division this year. Last week, we chatted to players from Wales, Scotland and England. Now it's time to talk to players from France, Ireland, Sweden and Croatia. First of all, it's my pleasure to have on the line a woman we spoke to on this program back in April for the uh, Anzac match that was being played in Villers-Bretonneux. And she came to Melbourne in August to play for the European Crusaders team and was awarded a spot at full back in the IC17 World Team that was announced at the end of the tournament. She plays ruck for the French side. It's great to have on the line Colleen Duquette. Colleen, bonjour. How are you? <laughs> bonjour. Ça va, ça va. Merci. <laughs> Great to have you on the line uh, once again. As we said, it's been a while since we've spoken to you, and in that time, you managed to come to here, come down to Australia, and play in the IC17. How was that experience playing with the European Crusaders?
2: Uh, it was, it was really amazing. It was, I um, had the time of my life, really, on and off the field. Um, obviously, I, I didn't know all of my teammates before. Uh, before we played and uh, it was so great to get to know all the girls and such great vibes in the team and um, on the field each game was better than the other so which was really satisfying and we won one game against Pakistan um, So no that was that was great. I think we all learned a lot on and off the
0: field. Like you said, uh, you didn't know much of your teammates because you, you all came together in Australia. So what type of things did you do to try and help bonding, get to know each other, so uh, obviously you could find each other better out there on the footy field?
2: Um, so, well, I knew about half of the team because half of the team was French. Uh, but on, on the other half, we, we just all stayed together. We had uh, breakfast and dinner together um, every day. Um, we kind of... Walked in Melbourne um, we didn't do that much it was just because we knew we had to spend two weeks all together everybody was so uh, open minded wanted to um, learn everything about uh, the others so um, we didn't have to do anything special we just uh, spend some time and tell our stories because well when we, you're from Europe you have a story how you get to how you um, get into football how you uh, got into into Australia and so, um, no, we didn't do anything special. Uh, it just went really, really fine. And, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what it was.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing. You did get noticed through the tournament. Not only were you on the AFL website with your photo and had a story about you as well, but, <laughs> but you also had the honour of being named in the IC17 World Team at mm-hmm. the end of the tournament. How did that uh, feel to, for you personally to have that honour?
2: Um, well, I have to say, I really, really didn't expect that when I landed uh, in Melbourne. Because, um, so we were a bit short in number with the Crusaders. We, I think we were 21 or 22 for the whole tournament. So we had to fill the, um, the key position with experienced players, with the most experienced players. So that's how I ended in the back line. But I actually, I think I never really played in the back line before. And um, I just had so much fun. And, uh, well, it happened that. Um, I had fun and I played um I played not too bad and uh and yeah no it was a, a great honor and a bit of a surprise and um and you know maybe just having fun is the key to play well, I don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, you had to leave Australia behind and come back home to France because obviously you've got work and a lot more important things. And one of those things, of course, is the Euro Cup. So um, so since you've got back home, um, how much time has the French team uh, had to train together to try and, you know, instead of playing 18 a side, now focus on playing 9 a side?
2: Um, well, so obviously, the, well, our season here is a bit different than in the rest of Europe, so it starts in September. So all the girls um, train with uh, their clubs again the uh, when they came back to prepare for the new season. And we actually had um, a bit of time to train together last weekend in Paris because we organized the French Cup uh, for the men. But we did some uh, training for the women's uh, French national team and we had a uh, friendly game at the end of the day. Um I think it went well, and uh, that the girls that were in australia really learned from from eighteen side um especially all the positioning, which is obviously a bit different, but sometimes we some sometimes we um something we might have a bit of um uh, how do I say um well something that we need to we needed to improve was the positioning and how to keep your position and how to uh be all the options. Uh, around the ball and I think uh, playing 18 side really helped and from what I saw last week uh, I think it helped yes
0: and how much of an advantage do you think it is for your team to be hosting the Euro Cup in Bordeaux uh,
2: well I think it's an advantage and uh, at the same time it adds a bit of pressure because um, well <clears throat> our families and friends are going to be there so we want, we want to do well uh, but at the same time, yes, obviously Bordeaux. It's outside uh, of France, really nice city. The weather uh, should be really, really nice. And um, so we know that field, we know how it goes. We don't have to uh, travel around Europe, so it's an advantage. Um, but yeah, we, we really we want to do the, our best, even more than, but well, we always want to do our best. But being here, playing in France with people that don't really know the game, that's going to come. Uh, we want to. We want this to be a, a real success.
0: If I'm correct, I think the last time the French hosted the Euro Cup in Bordeaux, both the men's and women's ended runners-up.
2: Yes, exactly. So it was, I think, it was just when I came back from Australia. Actually, it was in 2013. Um, for the women, there were only two teams that participated in this uh, Euro Cup. Euro Cup. <laughs> um, so, the only one game, yes. And uh, for the men, I can't really remember, but. Yeah, and it was in Bordeaux on the on the same um, same grounds, um, so that's why it should be should be fun.
0: Hopefully, it brings you some good luck. And what do you think the French team needs to improve on from the last Euro Cup to be competitive with uh, Ireland and England? Because if I'm correct, you're in England's pool this year.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, well, what I said before, what I said before, basically, it's um, a bit of um, In the positioning, get a bit on the get back to the fundamentals, like a basic footy, a lot of hand passes, making some space. Um, Yeah, I think making space it's it's the key, and I really I really think that uh, playing the IC for most of the girls that was a a real um, a really good point uh, to improve on that. Yes, so um, I'd say I'd say that and yeah we'll see we we always give hundred to two hundred percent on each game, and I think our fitness is not too bad so should be should be interesting It should be interesting to see what the i c brought to that to the french team
0: and who will be some of the stars in the French team that you think people should be keeping an out an eye on uh obviously besides yourself
2: <laughs> um yeah <clears throat> Well, uh, the, uh, Beranger and Camille Portal, they had, had a great tournament, uh, in the IC and, uh, they're, they're always improving. They're getting better and better. And so we will have a really strong midfield. Um, otherwise I say we have a, a new player. She's called Catherine and, um, she's really tough. So, uh, so keep an eye on her as well. And, uh, of course, Del uh she's she's been around for a while and we know um how um strong she is. So I'd say it's uh different players at different position, uh, everybody has like good points, like uh so yeah
0: just before yeah, <laughs> just before I let you go uh Colleen uh, you, you did mention that of course uh, the French play a different season don't they for the women so unlike over in uh, London where they play through the summer if I'm correct you play through your winter
2: yes we do um, that's um, uh, yeah that's something bizarre in the French uh, administration it's it's basically for uh, practical reasons because we don't really have the grand uh, during summer. Uh, it's only during school year here. Um, so, um, that's why it's hard to get um, games at the beginning of our seasons because all the seasons are over and after the Euro Cup. Uh, it's uh, a bit dead everywhere else in Europe, but we can get a lot of games uh, in at the end of our season when it's pre-season. So, um For all the others, so, which is, which is good. But yeah, we, we play, we play in winter, which is, um, sometimes a bit difficult, obviously, with the, the snow, the cold, but we're used to it.
0: But, Conley, on that point as well, obviously if there's some uh, Aussies or even the the UK players in England that uh, wouldn't mind flying across for a weekend to France or Aussies that are going backpacking through Europe and think, oh, they'd like to play Aussie rules during the European winter, uh, where can they find more information about football in France?
2: Um, Well... You can uh, on Facebook, I think it's the, um, the main area for information on the the, the account of um, the CNFA, it's uh, the National Football, uh, Australian Football Committee. So they they've got all the games and all the information about all the clubs. Um, otherwise, uh, on the the Paris the Paris Club website or, or Facebook account Paris Booty, where um, also, uh, we try to put a lot of information about uh, the games and the training sessions. Um, and I think on the AFL Europe website as well, there's got, this got to be uh, some um, contact uh, email, email address or phone number for people that want to play in France. Um, yeah, that's, what, that's, that's where it would be uh, the most easiest way to find the information, yes.
0: Well, Colleen, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy once again. Well done on a good tournament in IC17 and all the very best in Bordeaux when you play for France in the AFL Euro Cup. Well, thank you very much. We'll have more Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival coming up right after this. This is Girls Play Footy. Continuing our look at the AFL Euro Cup nine-a-side Tournament in Bordeaux, France this weekend, we focus now on the reigning champions, the Irish Banshees. They won the tournament in 2016 and they won the 18-a-side AFL International Cup in August this year. They're in red-hot form and it's great to have on the line a woman that was part of that International Cup winning side and she'll be going over to France to play in the nine-a-side Tournament. Marie Keating joins us on the line. Marie, how are you? No, not too
3: bad. It takes a little me on
0: here. Great to have you on the programme. Uh, before we talk about the Irish Banshees and, of course, their uh, fantastic win in IC17 and, and heading towards the Euro Cup, let's talk about your personal footy journey. Uh, when did you first take up the game and how? First started uh, playing in 2006.
3: I, I, was, uh, I was in Australia as a backpacker and um, playing a bit of Gaelic football. And Somebody just came along one day and, uh, to towards the matches actually I was marking somebody that kept sledging me all through the match, I'd never experienced sledging before, so I was kind of a bit for uh, it. and um, she came up to me after the match and said, do, do you want to come play AFL? And uh, kind of started from there, absolutely loved it. And they kept, kept playing on from there, and, and then found out about uh, the Irish franchise uh, in 2011, uh, before the, the International Cup out there, uh, still living in Australia at that stage, and uh, moved to all that and kept on playing with the Red Chiefs to keep in touch with the AFL
0: which let's just not skip over things here because these are the honours that you have to your name. Uh, You played in uh, premierships in Sydney in 2006 and 2008. In 2008, you are the Sydney Women's AFL Team of the Decade team member, uh, an All-Australian medal in 2011, New South Wales state squads in 2006, 2009 and uh, 2011 as well. So fair to say, you go okay at footy. (laughs)
3: Um, I suppose, like, you know, playing in Sydney, I was looking to play with a lot of, of good players and um, a lot of good coaches as well, actually. And you know, just got a great um, background in, or in in AFL and a great um, kind of training, and, and just absolutely love. I think when you when you love what you do, it, it's a lot easier to to do okay at it. Then so um, do did, did okay, I suppose.
0: You did fantastically well. And as you said, you played in the 2011 uh, AFL International Cup. You won uh, best on ground in the final. 2014, of course, unfortunately, uh, saw the uh, Irish go down to the Canadians. But uh, you bounced back with a best on ground in the Euro Cup with Ireland. And then, of course, 2017. Can you tell us what the feeling was like in this campaign? You You were the knocked off champions. You had to go again to get your title back. What was the feeling like?
3: Yeah, it was. Um, I, I don't think we had much expectation going into it. Only, you know, just to, to give it a go, and it was. Um, it, it was a brilliant campaign. Like, I mean, everything kind of seemed to go right, and there was a great buzz around the team, great. Um, a brilliant team play in all the matches, which kind of helps to keep the spirit going, and um, there, there was a great uh, crowd between all the players and the manager. and um, down there, so it was then. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. It was even the final. It was brilliant. You played at the Etihad Stadium, it was such a such a cool place really, and um, brilliant to win and kind of looking to win, I suppose as well. And, and those tight margins, and the, the final, but yeah, yeah, it was brilliant.
0: Can you tell us what the final few minutes was like of that grand final? You led by less than a kick over the Canadians. And I think for for about the last five minutes, it was played predominantly with inside your back 50. So you were constantly under pressure, the Canadians pinging away, pinging away, pinging away. Can you describe what that feeling was like? Um.
3: You know, I I think um, I I must have been in another world because I thought there was another about 10 minutes left. So I I kept thinking, we've got to get it up, we've got to get another goal. And that that was sort of what was in my mind. And I was like thinking, not just get out of the back, but get it up a a bit further up the beans, But next season, went and I was kind of like, Where's it 10 minutes ago. (laughs) So it it was a bit surreal at the end, sorry.
0: And of course, 2017 international cup champions the irish banshees but uh, as soon as you've finished celebrating that it was literally like two months between that and the start of the euro cup in bordeaux so obviously you've gone home to ireland now what's been the preparations been like for it's a very different type of football isn't it changing from 18 aside to now nine aside and preparing for that as i said in the space of something like seven or eight weeks
3: yeah, yeah. It, it actually seems even a closer turnaround than I to when you get back in a bit of jet lag to contend with and trying to get back into your routines at home and everything, so it seems it seems like a pretty pretty quick turnover and, and you say, um, a totally different game as well. So, but um, you know, I think we knew from, from the outset that that was going to be the case, and you know, it's a, the Euro Cup was something we had definitely in mind as well. So. Um, we, did, we did a bit of training. We kind of caught up last week, and, uh, and to has a bit of a reception at the at uh, um, the Australian Embassy and, and met the Governor General there. So we kind of it was good to catch up with the team again and, and do a bit of training and, uh, and kind of get back into you know into focus for, for the European Cup. So uh, looking forward to it now, right? Hopefully, it'd be um, it'd be a good competition.
0: And how often have the, has the squad been able to train together over these uh, few weeks leading into the Euro Cup? Because I believe I'm cor- correct, uh, speaking to Pat Levy, it's a slightly different squad, not only obviously less in number and the Australian element uh, that, with, with the Banshees aren't going over because obviously they're based here in Australia, but I believe some of the girls who didn't make it over to Australia are forming part of this squad.
3: Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's right. Um, I, we're, we're losing a lot of players from say, the Australian players that, that will be with us. So um, we, we really didn't make the the, the the squad for various reasons. Um, that, that's are catching up on us. So we, we've cut up a couple of times, but probably not as regularly as we were before the the, the international cup. But um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting now to see how how those players go as well, uh, there there'll be a few good players playing there.
0: And how does it feel going into this tournament? I guess a a very different mindset. You go into the International Cup 18 aside where you're trying to hunt the reigning champions who were Canada. The shoe's on the other foot in, in Bordeaux. You are the reigning champions. You're the hunted. So what mindset do you take going into that tournament?
3: That's what we are in a way. But um, I, when you when you look at it, I think England are going to be very, very strong. So I don't I don't really see us as kind of the favourites or like that. Because I think they have a pretty similar um, you know team. Actually, they're, right, so they're using a the, the Scottish and Welsh girls from the I C. But um, the, the, the spine of their team is pretty strong. So i really nearly see them as, as kind of being on a par with us and. Um, it, it is a different mindset in that it's a totally different you know, one-day tournament as opposed to um, full-on 18 side matches for you know two 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 and a half weeks and that. So, um, yeah, it's a totally different game, but uh, we'll just kind of we'll go through the show up and see, see how it goes.
0: And who do you expect to star from your squad to uh, have a blinder in Bordeaux? Um,
3: you know, it's kind of hard to pick out one person I think definitely in Australia and, and you know overall you know, we be a very balanced team so I think just the, the team play in Australia I thought was fantastic just the the efforts the, the commitment to kind of you know, getting better at all the AFL skills and I think hopefully it hopefully be more of the same just the complete team performance and and um, that, that everyone will kind of pull together that's sort of me so and um, but I'm not sure there'll, there'll be a few standards on the day as well. that's, that's you know, I'd have
0: had that bit of extra. That's what I hope you will see. So. Yeah, at the moment how the pool is organised, you're opposite from England. So how things are going, it looks likely that you two will face off again in the final. But if you were to look at maybe a Smoky in the tournament, that might be able to upset the apple cart and make their way through to the final. Who do you think that could be?
3: Um, I i to, France are always very, very tough. I think every time I play really against them they, they seem to be very uh, fast I, I, I kind of uh, would, would have a look at Croatia as well just uh, by the fact that they to being done so well over the over the past few years that, you know, there could be a surprise there and, and obviously Scotland is going to be strong as well. So I th- I think and and, and, I would, and I think we're playing Sweden as well, so that's gonna be um, an unknown quality So there's a lot of kind of unknowns that I you knew them could, uh, could could turn up and surprise me on the day, but so definitely had a
0: few teams to be wary of there. Well, Marie, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best in the days, counting down to Bordeaux, France, and the 2017 AFL Euro Cup. And thanks for having me out here. One of the teams that will be out to stop the Irish this weekend is the Swedish Ravens. Can they cause a boil over? We're about to find out now with a member of that team in Lingardell. Lynn, Lynn, how are you?
4: I'm good, thanks.
0: Great to have you on the line. Now, uh, like we ask everyone who isn't a uh, born and bred Aussie, for, for yourself personally, how did you come across Aussie rules football? Uh,
4: I was on exchange in Tasmania and I, um, a friend of mine, asked me to join the college team. So I started training there for a bit and then I got hit. So I started, I found a team when I got back
0: to Sweden. And when you got back to Sweden... Yeah, that's you,
4: when
0: I got into it. Yeah, and when you got back to Sweden, you managed to uh, team up with the Port Malmo Lynx who've uh, been going fairly well of late. In fact, uh, you you're a bit unlucky not to come away with the title at the um, European Champions League earlier this year.
4: Yeah, I know. We've done our work and we try our best every time but we can't win the all (laughs) so yeah we're we have a lot of enthusiastic players which is a lot of fun
0: that's fantastic to see in women's football growing right across europe now before we focus on the euro cup uh yourself personally uh you got selected to play for the european crusaders and you came down to melbourne to, to take part in ic17 for you what was that experience like
4: it was so good, uh, just to get the chance to play 18 aside again, and to meet all the other teams and the uh, players from the rest of the world that I've never met before, and also the experience to play with um, other European um, players that I've not I normally meet here in Europe when we play the tournaments here. That was a lot of fun to get to know them better and to yeah just play with them and. Uh, the whole experience of um, just being a part of this totally new team uh, is just great for learning. And yeah, I learned so much during the tournament. I'm super happy that I was able to go.
0: As much as it was a composite team, uh, how much does it kind of drive you towards hopefully, if not least a Sweden standalone team to have maybe a Scandinavian team uh, come to Melbourne in 2020? Because I know, for example, the French are really pushing hard to see if they can get their own team up in three years.
4: Yeah, it would be great to go with the Scandinavian team. Uh, that we tried to get that together this year, but we didn't have players enough, unfortunately, and. Therefore, the European Crusaders was a really good opportunity to go. Uh, but yeah, a Scandinavian team in three years would be just amazing if we could get that together. It could, It is possible, though, because we have the Danish team and they're, they're very enthusiastic as well. So let's
0: cross our fingers. <laughs> hope so, hope so to continue growing women's football. Now um, h- how did you view the performance of the Swedish side at last year's 2016 Euro Cup and in that 12 month period what do you think you've had to work on as a team to try and take the next step?
4: Um, I think we did a really good job uh, the last Euro Cup. We fell a bit short in our last game and we were quite disappointed with that and um, this year, we've, we've worked a lot on changing a few strategies and um, uh, on our fitness level. So we, we come ve- well prepared and um, we're ready to get revenge <laughs> from last Euro Cup.
0: And what a pool you've got as well. It's just been announced the fixture of who's in what pool. Three teams in yours, so it's yourselves, up against the Irish Banshees and Croatia. So it certainly won't be easy.
4: No, it won't. But we are really excited to get our revenge against the Croatian Queen. Uh that's the team we fall short on uh, against last Euro Cup. Uh so we are up for the revenge. Uh the Irish uh team is obviously very strong and uh they play very organized. Um but we are we're prepared and uh we're ready to put up a good opposition against them.
0: What would it mean for Swedish women's football if you were to take out the title?
4: Uh, it would mean so much because it's a very small sport uh, back here and we're just growing a little bit every year and like you said, we have a, new, a few new players this year and a few of them come from a totally new team um, which we are very excited about um, IKWA. And so it's really good to see that the women's uh, part of AFL in Sweden is growing. And even if they don't have a full women's team in Equa, they still have uh, women players there. Uh, And we're really excited about that. So obviously it would mean a lot if we could just get our, yeah, get the sport out a little bit in the media here.
0: Having a look at your squad that will be going to uh, Bordeaux, France, you've highlighted uh, one of your better players to so keep an eye on, and hopefully you can tell us a little bit about her. Uh, she's playing her third Euro Cup halfback, Isabel Carlson.
4: Uh, Isabel is a great player. She works really hard, and she's so enthusiastic about the sport. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that she will do a really good job in the Euro Cup.
0: And in your own mind, who's maybe one or two other players we should also be looking out for as well?
4: Uh, we have uh, one girl called Sami Valgre. She's super fast and she's always the first player on the ball. So she's one to look out for. And we have a new player called Daphne and she's super keen on the ball as well. So hopefully we'll get... She's our goal kicker. So hopefully... Uh, she'll show her best side and show how good she is in the tournament.
0: Well, Lynn, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy, and we wish your Swedish Ravens all the very best uh, coming up to the Euro Cup in Bordeaux, France.
4: Thank you so much.
0: One team to keep an eye out on in the AFL Euro Cup is the Croatian women. They're tough, and they're looking to try and advance through to the finals. Can they do it this year? We've got on the line from the Croatian team, Anna Barisic. Anna, how are you? How good, you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. And like we ask everyone that isn't a born and bred Aussie, for yourself, how did you first find Australian rules football?
5: Well, uh, I used to play football, like, since... uh I know for myself like the soccer. And mm-hmm. uh, one day my friend she called me to come and just like take picture in a jersey so she could put it in a local newspapers that they just like found a club uh, to play Aussie. And she just said, Maybe you should just stay for a training or two and I was like, Yeah sure, why not? So basically that's how I got into it.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. And how long ago was that?
5: It was uh, two and a half years ago.
0: So only a, a recent newcomer to the game, and um, yeah that time you played Euro Cups, and you you came to IC17 in Melbourne. So how did that come about? You're one of the uh, only Croatian players that's currently based in Croatia to play in the team. So what made you decide to put your hand up to travel all the way to Melbourne? Uh, well, uh,
5: actually, my coach he chose he chose like the the four girls for my team. Uh, but no one wanted to put so much so much money in it. And, like, I really liked the whole idea of the rules, so I was ready to put all I had into it. <laughs> and basically that's how I got in.
0: And, of course, uh, you came down to Melbourne, Australia. How did you find the experience of playing 18-a-side at the home of football?
5: Uh, I liked it so much that I would like to come and uh, play in Australia.
0: Do you see, you see yourself staying here, you know, taking a visa out, staying for a year or two and finding a club and, you know, playing the game here?
5: Yeah, I would like that so much, yeah.
0: Well, let's hope that uh, you're able to make that happen. Talk to us about women's football in Croatia at the moment. Um, how many teams are there playing club competition and, and how many women are, are taking up the game?
5: Well, we used to have two clubs, but, like, uh, it's very hard to... To make teams like women teams going in Croatia, um, because we are a little, like too small community of Aussie here, so it's 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 it's, it's been a hard time doing it. But uh, well, we found a team for the Euro Cup, but so I don't think uh, it is a problem. But I wish we had more clubs. And uh, I hope that the guys will help us to grow more.
0: Let's hope so. Let's hope that there's more women playing football in Croatia. Uh, because, as you said, there's not another club to play against, when you do play club football uh, for your team, uh, do you take the opportunity to try and travel to other countries nearby to try and find a game? Uh,
5: yeah, yeah. We actually organized uh, in March, this, like the next year, The whole English uh, team, British team, will come and like the guys and girls and we'll play against each other. And also we will go to France or they will come to us. And also we will play against each other, I think, except the Euro Cup. That is the only way for us to play for the...
0: Well, certainly hoping for more of those games, but it's fantastic to see there's plenty on the calendar for next year. Let's focus on this year, though. You've got a pretty tough pool, haven't you? You're up against uh, the Iron Island team, the Banshees, being the reigning champions, and also up against the Swedish Ravens.
5: Uh, yeah, that, that is going to be an exci- uh, like a very uh, exciting exciting loop since uh, last year. We won against uh, Sweden in... Uh, for, like, the medal or the third place. And we lost again Ireland. But we're going to give everything we have and try to compete against those two
0: teams. What do you think, personally, your team needs to improve on to try and better what you did last year and hopefully beat the Irish and get through to the grand final?
5: Uh, I think we we just need more... to play more aggressively. I think that was uh, our problem. And we also... Uh, We flooded too much. I think uh, those two problems are the biggest ones. But I think that, like, we have uh, half of the team that used to play uh, last year on EuroCup and a few more girls that just started playing. I think we will be able to, to put more in it this year, I
3: hope.
0: Well, let's hope so that you can make the next step. For those that might be coming down to Bordeaux, France to watch or for those that might be at home uh, if they put up a live stream and look at the games, uh, who are some of the really good players from Croatia that people should be looking at?
5: So uh, Matea Sedlacek and uh, Dora Jakupovic. She scored the goal uh, against Ireland last year. The only goal that we
0: scored, yeah. Well, cross fingers that they put in a really good performance. Anna, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. Well done on making the European team that played at IC17 and all the very best in Bordeaux when you play for Croatia in the Euro Cup. Thank you. And a reminder that the AFL Euro Cup nine Ninerside Tournament is on this weekend, being Saturday the 7th of October. Now, if you want the full fixture and all the streaming details, just go to afleurope.org. To put it simply for you, for the women, their first round of matches are going to be at 9.40am Paris time, which works out to be Saturday night, 6.40pm in Melbourne. And then the 6pm Paris time for the women's final, which is about 3 a.m. Sunday morning in Melbourne. Of course, you'll be able to watch it back on YouTube later on. So catch the action of the seven women's teams taking part in the AFL Euro Cup tournament this Saturday in Bordeaux, France. We've got more Girls Play Footy coming up right after this. So after looking at what's been happening in Europe as they build towards the AFL Euro Cup on Saturday, the 7th of October, a couple of weekends after that, it's going to be the biggest footy tournament in the world. And I say that as a matter of fact, it's the US AFL Nationals, and it's being held in San Diego, California. Six fields at once happening over two days, October 21 and 22 this year. And to have a look at how the women's teams have been Ranked and what divisions and what pools all the sides are in, we've got on the line to look at that in detail. The media manager of the United States Australian Football League, in Brian Barrish, some of you might know him as the American BT. Brian,
6: how are you? Good Peter. I am doing absolutely fantastic as usual. How about yourself?
0: Not too bad at all. Particularly looking forward to that warm California weather, uh, heading over there for the USAFL Nationals in San Diego. You just recently announced the uh, rankings of both men's and women's, of course. We'll be focusing on the women's, but I believe overall for the tournament, it's going to be the biggest one ever.
6: We have 53 teams representing 40 clubs, not only across the USAFL, but we have three teams coming down from AFL Canada as well. Uh, it is a jam-packed tournament. We have five men's divisions. Each of them have eight teams, which is, uh, what we call full, really. And on the women's side, which is, uh, I, I think even more impressive is we have eight standalone women's teams playing up in division one. That's the first time we've ever had it since we began the women's division. Uh, now twelve years ago, and we're going to have a five-team division two uh, made up of a number of clubs. That's the the f- that's still being finalized in terms of the uh, uh, how the teams will be made up. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is this is a wonderful wonderful showing, and uh, really excited to to see how it all plays out in San Diego.
0: Now, if I'm correct, I think there were five fields at the same time in Sarasota. If I'm correct, it's gone to six fields in San Diego.
6: Six fields. Yep. It's the most we've ever had. So uh, this is we were talking about this last year, Peter, about how the grounds are selected. And uh, we were at the time we we were planning on having an entire uh, Australian division. Uh, As you know, of course, we just now have the, the Aussie Sparks coming over. But I'm glad in a sense, in retrospect, that was actually a really good plan. Uh, because now as it turns out we have that extra men's division uh, which now we we have that extra field we can accommodate
0: so let's look ahead to the women's division that we played over two days uh, october 21 and 22 just with a slight little footnote to that you're also having a women's skills session at the ground the day before
6: Yes, uh, we have uh, a number of the Aussie Sparks are going to be uh, uh, hosting that on the Friday afternoon. That's part of a, a big thing that we have the day before nationals for anyone who gets there a day early. Of course, we have a, a coaches clinic, an umpire clinic, and we're uh, glad to have – I believe this is the first time we've, we've ever had a, a women's skills clinic. I know we've had smaller events over the last couple of years, but uh, it would be really, really fun, I'm sure. And uh, so I know any of the players are listening or anybody else, who's interested is going to be in that in that area even if you're not playing even if you know you're an Australian coming by you don't want to focus on your skills or want to get, you know, just be a part of that the Friday afternoon before Nationals at the at the Surf Cup grounds will be having that
0: So let's look to these two women divisions being played over two days as you said uh, for the first division it's two pulls of four let's start with the top ranked team being the reigning champions the San Francisco Iron Maidens which pool have they ended up in?
6: Uh, they are the top group of – or the top seed in Pool A. Uh, and uh, they have I, – I feel like a, a manageable group ahead of them. It's going to be three uh, tough games. And, and the Iron Maidens this year, They they've been – I think they've been – about consistent as they have been last year. They did play Denver, and of course the rematch of the deciding game at Nationals last year, that rematch was in Denver uh, against the Lady Bulldogs, and they fell. And they were missing Brett Brower in that game. They're going to be missing her for this tournament uh, with the neck injury that she suffered in uh, Melbourne at the International Cup. Um, She will most likely not be playing but they do have a pretty good amount of depth, especially at the ruck position. We saw Meg Leone take over after Brouwer went down and before her, Halle Castanic go down and she performed very admirably in the ruck. And they have a lot of speed, especially in Estrada and Sarah Maguione. The one thing that really won them the championship last year was their defense players like Nicole McKenzie, uh, uh, Carly Smolak, and Julie Marks. Um, so I would say they are the team to beat this year, but they're going to be facing, especially in their pool, which we'll talk about in a minute, Montreal, the the Angels, and if they get by that group, looking at the Calgary Cucoburas on the other side. So uh, you'd have to look at them as the favorite, but they're going to get more of a challenge, I think, than they have over the last couple of years.
0: So let's have a look at the Montreal Angels. They're coming across a very strong part of Canada, led by Amy Legault, who um, is going to be coming down for the tournament. She missed out in the 2016 tournament coming back from injury. So she's got a star-studded Montreal side that, um, if things go right, they could be going through to the grand final.
6: Yeah, they have always been a a very good side, and I think uh, we... You know, we saw part of that last year and one of the players that we saw was Valerie Moreau. Now, uh, as of this recording, the Angels have uh, submitted an exemption request for Valerie Moreau uh, to play at Nationals. Um, don't know at this point whether or not that has been granted or not. Uh, obviously, that would be a big acquisition if they were able to play her, but uh, if not, they do have a lot of very well-rounded side. Uh, Gabrielle Bureau, who's played at the National Team level in the past in the Parallel Cup, she's a quick player. They also also have a uh, rugby and Gaelic player in Larissa Andrew Cision, who played for the Midnight Suns back in 2015. Uh, she is a, sort of a Moreau type. She's uh, strong, and uh, she's got a little bit of quickness through the midfield. Um, and, of course, defensively, you've got Amy's sister, Margot Legault, who played pretty well at, at the the International Cup and who has been one of their consistent uh, one of the consistently best defenders across AFL Canada but as you said Peter I think they may have I think a little bit more uh, quickness and a little bit more skill than a team like San Francisco it'll just be a matter if they can penetrate that Iron Maiden defense but that game on Sunday morning may determine the group in Pool A and it'll actually be I think one of the more entertaining games of the tournament
0: Another team looking to upset the apple cart is uh, the Minnesota Freeze. They've always been hanging around in that third spot. They've always troubled the better sides, but they just haven't been able to get the job done. The question is, can the Freeze find a way to take the step up this year?
6: Well, and, and it has to be said, I, I think that uh, they've, they've sort of been in a holding pattern this year in terms of numbers. And um, I, I think that uh, through the season, they've, they've played a good, solid season, I think. And, and the players that uh, have served them in the past have done well again this year. Kathy O'Ha again, is a very dangerous forward. Uh, she proved that. You know, uh, she wasn't, I think, as prominent as some of the other forwards for the USA Freedom. Page Kicker played a solid turn Tournament uh, in Melbourne as the Freedom's defender. Uh, the, they are going to be missing a couple of players that they have from the last couple of years. Um, I don't see them getting up over a team like San Francisco. I think they're going to have trouble with with uh, uh, Montreal. But Minnesota is still a, a well-coached side under under uh, Dale Williams and. It's uh, they're going to, they're going to trouble I think those those three teams in their group, but uh, I think they're still treading water as they have in the last couple of years.
0: One team as well, regardless of the result, even though obviously they'd like to win a game or two in Division one, it's just extraordinary that they've got to that level with a full team. considering they only virtually gave a handful of players to Portland in Division two last year, a standalone Seattle Grizzlies in Division one Paul A.
6: Well, that's a great story. As you mentioned, Peter, Valerie barber uh coming over from Arizona a year ago and and uh, really, just just approaching the Grizzlies and starting that team. And overall, the Seattle uh, Football Club really has regained a resurgence. Uh, really, ten years ago on the men's side, they had gone from making it to the Division One Grand Final to uh, supplying a couple of players down in Division Four on the men's side. And overall, they've really grown. Uh, but getting back to the women. Yes, and not only uh, are they a full side and they have a lot of newcomers, but those newcomers are very, very good. Um, going back to... You know Barbara Atholm, who was best on, on ground throughout the Liberty Tour, uh, very tenacious uh, halfback player who showed some versatility up in the forward line as well. Uh, they have Chungi Tseng, uh, who is a Liberty-caliber player, uh, veteran with the Boston Demons. Uh, some of their newer players, uh, April Lewis, who won best in Ferris at the Western Regionals, who was very athletic through the middle. Their captain, Marion Dickinson, who's uh, who's known as a goal kicker. Uh, a number of other players, Haley Ziobro, I was very impressed with at the, at the Western Regionals. Marissa Poorboy as well, who is uh, almost like a ball magnet. Uh, Seattle may get at least, I, I think Seattle will get up over Minnesota. I think they can definitely challenge San Francisco. So they'll be a very fun team to watch. And, uh, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, if they play well, I think Montreal will get a, a pretty good challenge for them. But any, however you slice it, getting to Division I is a huge achievement in just their second full season
0: over to pool b that's being led by the six-time national champions the denver lady bulldogs who lost their title by three points to the iron maidens last time around they'll be looking for revenge but if i'm correct they won't have their fearless leader and hallie of course who uh, did a shoulder uh in the usa freedoms uh international cup campaign
6: Well, I spoke to Bruce Durrell yesterday and she told me, and and, I'm sorry, he told me that she's a a maybe at this point. Uh, I don't know how far along she is in terms of her recovery. Um, and if she isn't there, I think that's a, that's a huge loss in terms of, uh, not only on the field as a, you know, from a football standpoint, but also as a leadership standpoint, because she is for many years been the heart and soul of that team. Now that isn't to say that they don't have any sort of depth in the mid, in the midfield and Caitlin Masher Mace, all six foot four of her, who's played in the forward line can platoon in the rock if need be. I know that Lindsay Castanic can play in the rock if need be be um this is a different side than what we've seen the last couple of years um besides the fact of injuries another one is cassie wilkerson who of course did her knee in the liberty in the first game of the liberty tour um but uh, they're missing a number of players because of turnover and i know that at at least uh, one or two players are uh, are with child at the moment and and so uh this isn't I think as strong of a team as what they have brought in previous years. They're a good side and they have a number of good new players. Um not sure who's confirmed coming yet. Monica Armstrong had a good Western Regionals, had a brought a lot of speed and also um, Bailey Hurtado who uh, picked up the game pretty quickly. She's a younger player and she has a lot of raw ability. Uh, Anna Thexton will be there the uh, veteran from that very first freedom side in 2008 who uh, Really is very uh, worker-like, and I think that's probably what I like most about her, as well as uh, the fact that she can take over in that leadership role. So uh, it's going to be more of a challenge, especially up against a team like Calgary, which is also in their group, who we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but um, it's going to be a challenge for them to get back to the grand final and, and make it seven out of eight.
0: The Calgary Kukebarrs with Hillary Perry at the helm, a quality side. I'm not sure if I'd put them on the same level of Montreal. You know them a little better. Uh, they weren't there obviously for the 2016 tournament. How will they fare in this group up against some more experienced sides which we'll talk about Sacramento and New York in a moment and Denver.
6: Well, you look at who is on their roster and you talk about you mentioned uh, you mentioned Perry. Trisha Rolf is in there as well from from the North Wind. Uh Alana Robertson, Nicola Robertson both played in the Northwind and both factored uh even in the loss in the grand final. Uh Christy Oja's on that team, although I don't know if she'll be available. She had suffered the knee injury ironically enough against the Americans. Um and uh, also a number of players on their roster from what I saw coming down from uh, from Edmonton as well, who had played with them during the course of the year, uh, including Ashley Gaisley. This is a very, very good side, and they were in, they only brought 13 in 2015 to play in Division II, uh, and they swept the competition. It also should be mentioned, by the way, that on that team they had a, a, a player from Portland by the name of Simone Shepard, uh, which greatly helped their cause, but in any event, I... I I Think there was a consensus that had they brought a, a a full side in 2015 that they would be playing up in Division One as well. So um, I would tip them probably as the favorite in this group, uh, even with the other sides improving. With Denver, uh, really, I think banged up at this point. I, I think Calgary is probably your favorite over in Pool B.
0: Sacramento's sons there's been talk of if they'll have a full squad or not that looks like they will be uh, taking a full team to this tournament they actually have one practice game um, a couple of weekends before the nationals against San Francisco to try and have their bit of a warm up how will they go in this nationals after winning their first ever nationals game last year when they beat New York
6: I think they're, they're still an improving side and uh, as they have been over the last couple of seasons and I think that uh, their defense really has I've talked about it every year each of the last couple of years about how good their defense is and even with Katie Clatt going to Melbourne to further her football career, uh, they've really gelled. Uh, having improved on that is uh, Rosie Clough, who's played in The Rock the last couple of years, and they switched her back into the defensive role because that's what she played uh, as a fullback when she played over with the Freedom. Mackenzie Carr had a good, very good Liberty tour. Uh, she'll be back there as well. Oin Wynn pulled double duty, having played not only for the Freedom but also for the Liberty as well, uh, and uh, she notched a goal, a couple of goals in the Liberty Tour. She's becoming a very dangerous forward, which is really what they need. I feel like uh, the, the situation has been as it was last year and really didn't get a, a really great beat on them at Western Regionals just simply because they had combined with Seattle for that tournament. Um, they are – if they can get – a couple of good half forwards and forwards uh i really think they can start to challenge the upper echelon teams they are their skills are improving up and down the park uh i still think they're they're just on the doorstep of that next level but i think they'll have a good tournament and they play in the team that they beat last year at nationals new york uh in the final game on sunday so that'll be a good matchup as well
0: how much will New York be taking from last year into this year, that burning feeling? Because if you're the big city, you're the big apple, you're New York City, you don't like being humbled. In fact, in, was it 2015? They were an upset away from uh, taking the Division One title the old saying, how the mighty have fallen. They took a fairly new side, a bunch of rookies to the 2016 tournament. Didn't win a game, in fact, against the tide uh, that would take out the uh, title, San Francisco. They got humbled fairly easily. Their pride would have been hurt. Can they bounce back this year?
6: Well, I think they were they were expecting, you know, that that uh, this would be that that would have been difficult for them, considering all the new players as well as they have played. I mean, look at some of the players they on unearthed. One of them was was uh, Natalie Wolf, who again had just learned the game at the beginning of last year, and here she was, eighteen months later, playing in the International Cup for the USA Freedom. Um, this is a team that, uh, as as much as their sophomore players, Wolf being. Among them, Adrian Lockett is another one who played well. Um, Andrea Hargreaves is another one who uh, took over in the rock uh, and really has made it her own. She's been a very consistent rock, and it starts in the middle with her. Their defense, a mix of veteran players, Wolf has gone to play on the defensive side, but of course you got to mention Drea Casillas, uh, who had a a good tournament, but I think not was not as impactful as she would have liked to have been. Uh, I know that she will want to have a very good tournament, uh, as well as uh, on the fullback side with Taylor Davidson, who is one of the best fullbacks in the USAFL on the women's side, up and down. One of the things that... Uh, 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 Christina Lacata was telling me at the beginning of the season that she was worried about was offense. Uh, they have Kim Hemingway, of course, and Kim's been quieted, uh, I think was fairly quiet last year at Nationals, and I think that was more of, uh, the structure getting the ball to her more than her own ability, and I think she would have, uh, you know, she had a, a, a good U.S., uh, a good, uh, campaign with, the freedom at the international cup. But, uh, I think she would have liked to have made more of an impact as well. Uh, the good news is, is up in the forward line. They've got Claire alguzin who had a very good Liberty tour and Lauren Skanechny, who I always felt is uh, more of the, one of the more underrated forwards in the USAFL. Um, I think Sacramento is going to be their best chance for a win. I think they do have a chance against a a depleted Denver side. Um, They might find themselves overmatched against Calgary. But this is a team that's still finding its legs. And and you know what, I think that's, that's... more of a testament to the growth of the game that they are bringing these new players in and they are developing it um every team goes through a, a, a cycle some longer than others and and uh, for new york they're they're starting the cycle again and hopefully within a year or two they'll be back up challenging for a title again
0: now just before we go what's the latest news out of division two which you said of course they're looking at five combined teams to play around robin series
6: yeah, so uh, right now they're looking at the numbers, and by they, I mean the USAFL Women's Association, and I mentioned Drea Casillas. She's, of course, the, the head of that of that group. Uh, they're basically finding out or trying to finalize numbers from teams and uh, pairing them off in a way that uh, it will be competitive. Ideally, what will happen is it will be a five-team a straight round-robin tournament, which is basically what they've done in Division One over the past two seasons. So they'll play a, a round-robin with no grand final, and whoever has the best record at the end of the weekend will be declared premiers, and if there's a tie, it goes to head-to-head, and then – and then a percentage, um, but uh, the the idea of that, and and this is a it's a very difficult task. I feel because y- you know you can only take so much into consideration. I mean, you know how you know you know how the players will be to an extent, but it's all about how they play on the weekend. Injuries could be a factor. There's so many things that could upset the apple cart. And, uh, so that, it's a, it's a giant logistical Tetris puzzle, as I like to say. But looking at some of the players and some of the teams that are expected to come, uh, you've got a a lot of growing East Coast sides. You've got the Baltimore Washington Eagles, uh, Emily Real will be there and looking at a player like, um, Molly Halberstadt, who is playing in her second season, who I was very impressed with, had a very good Eastern regionals. They've got a number of other players. I believe they're bringing, uh, I think eight or nine from Baltimore, Washington. Uh, Boston's got, uh, gonna be bringing a fair bit down the Demons. Uh, Kalen Deal, who, the fullback, who had a good tournament with the Liberty side. Amanda King, who played well for the European Crusaders. Philadelphia, you're looking at, uh, Looking at uh, uh, Erica Saki, who's played well, and another couple of newcomers, Barbara Dempsey, who's who's almost like a bulldog. She's the Beast Coast Bulldog is her nickname. Uh, Columbus. Katrina Scherer, uh, Stephanie McKittrick on the defensive side, Stephanie Shipley as well, uh, Lauren Balsley, all of them, uh, with the exception of McKittrick, who was over there for the Liberty Tour and who uh, played well, and, of course, Scherer, who played for the Freedom. I think she would have liked to have had more of an impact, as Scherer, uh, on the, on the freedom, uh, but I think for her first hit out of the international scene, uh, she did play very admirably. Um, on the west coast, you've got Portland as well, Simone Shepard, Heather Serpico, a number of other players, uh, Jessica Blecker, who played well, uh, for the, in the international cup down in LA with that new team, players like, uh, uh, or Eileen Yoon, who played for Seattle—sorry, uh, for Sacramento last year. Uh, Leilani Silvio, who was one of the best players. I feel she could have been a, a candidate uh, for. Um, for best and Ferris across the Liberty tour, but she played a fantastic tour. And then, of course, you have the new team down in Texas, uh, with Austin and Houston and Dallas coming together to make the Texas Heat. Uh, I believe they will be playing by themselves, but I don't want to speculate too much. So we'll have to see how the numbers go. And up in Minnesota, the new club, the uh, North Star Blue Ox, led by Maria Le Victor, former member. Uh, and an alumni member of the Freedom, so uh, there's a lot of good players coming through. There's a lot of uh, a lot of teams that are banding together, and uh, I think San Francisco is also bringing enough for a second uh, to contribute to a second side. Uh, in the Division two, So I think any way you slice it, there's going to be a lot of really good players on display, and we'll have to see how the teams get paired up, but it should be an entertaining group, uh, an entertaining competition in addition to the Division one.
0: And, of course, uh, we're probably expecting single players uh, out of Des Moines, which we've uh, spoken to with Emily Rice, and uh, I think Nat it up at Wisconsin. Um, and then let's not forget the Arizona Hawks, which, of course, has got Melissa Armstrong, who played in the San Francisco winning side last year.
6: Absolutely, especially you look at you look at Arizona, and uh, we mentioned Seattle and how one person could really change the fortune of the club on, on the men's side. They had uh, Jason Wilhelm. Uh, speaking of Melissa Armstrong, they recently just uh, tied the knot over in Hawaii, so congratulations to them. Uh, but uh, that club was uh, was really. You know, a handful of women uh, last year, and now all of a sudden uh, they have a, a good side, and they have are fielding a full men's side as well. Uh, you mentioned Armstrong, uh, Jen Ferrucci, as well, Drea Pl- uh, Placencio, uh, and a couple of other players who have come up. Uh, who have joined the team for the Hawks. So I think they'll be fun to watch. You mentioned Nathala Pop from Wisconsin and Emily Rice from from Des Moines. Uh, Nathala is a former national team player who's a very skillful, especially across the halfback. And, and, uh, and Emily Rice played well for that wild bunch time. And I believe St. Petersburg is sending a couple of players as well. We talked about Heather Vanderhoof last year. So uh, still big question marks as to how that's going to go, but uh, should be entertaining.
0: Indeed, and of course, happening uh, the weekend of October 21 and 22. And one quick last one before we go. Uh, some people might know, as we said with Division 2, because it's a round robin, each team will get to play four games. Over in Division 1, uh, the top two teams from each pool meet in the Grand Final, so they, in theory, play four games. As much as the sides that miss out in the Grand Final, Division 1, technically play three games, there's an opportunity, isn't there, for some of them to play a fourth game with this special, what we dub, exhibition game against the Aussie Sparks?
6: Absolutely, and I think that uh, having played in a similar game uh, myself a few years ago, when uh, Subiaco came over from the from the Western League, came over and I got a chance to play in that. Um, really wasn't an all comers game, but uh, I somehow or another found myself wearing red and gold and the lion on it, and uh, it's it's an innumerable experience to play against them. And uh, you talk about, uh, and, and we don't know what the format is just yet because it is also possible. They could be playing uh, alongside them. Uh, depends on what the decision is on the on the day. But um, talking to the Liberty girls about the tour and about the, the fact that they got to the play against these women who uh, really had were, you know, they were much more experienced than them. But to be able to take. And, and observe what they were doing and even to go back and look at the tape I mean and the fact that uh, we stream the matches for them and I truly mean that we because you had a big hand in that Peter and so do girls play footy um, this is a uh, it's a, it's a great opportunity for some of the girls that didn't get a chance to go over to Australia to play in the tour to actually go up against uh, these and, and see these these girls who have a lot of experience and and hopefully they can take a lot of it from the game and for the for the women that don't get a chance to play and that I think that they get a chance to even just watch the games and 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 the sparks will be available during the course of the weekend because they'll also be doing uh, as we mentioned before, they'll be doing the uh, the, the skills clinic. Uh, they'll probably be going around and uh, helping out the coaches as well and giving little tips and things like that, and interacting with them. So it's a great networking experience. And uh, if they do get a chance to play, I think it can only really better not only themselves individually, but the game as a whole.
0: Well, Brian, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. And we look forward to your live coverage from the uh, Nationals in San Diego. And for those that obviously can't uh, uh, catch it live because of the time difference, don't forget the games will be put up at a later stage as well via the USAFL YouTube page. And not only the Nationals, there's obviously, uh, Brian, a whole heap of other games, including, as you mentioned, the Liberty Tour, a few International Cup games, and last year's Nationals as well.
6: Oh, yeah. There's a plethora of stuff on our YouTube channel. That's uh, youtube.com slash USAFL1997. And I have organized them all into neat little uh, playlists. So uh, uh, if you get a chance to go on there and uh, especially relive uh, a great International Cup and Liberty Tour campaign, uh, as we got to see in Melbourne, Australia, and it was a lot of fun to cover.
0: Brian. Thank you very much for your time and we look forward to catching up with you in San Diego, California to cover the USAFL Nationals Women's Divisions this year. Well, that wraps things up here on Girls Play Footy. A quick reminder that this program is always available as a podcast on Thursday mornings by going to either Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud and searching for Girls Play Footy. or of course aired on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne. The first airing happens at around about 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time and remember you can download to your mobile phone the rsn racing and sport app just click on carnival and you'll be able to listen to it live anywhere around the world and don't forget to check out our website girlsplayfooty.com and find us on facebook instagram and twitter just search for girls play footy until next week i'm peter holden and it's bye for now